Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. to stop the Rileys. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everlings. He's throwing. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everlings. Touchdown Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, here we go. The season starts tomorrow, and it'll start with the Battle of Alberta. Oilers Flames tomorrow night on 6.30 Chad. An extended face-off show will begin at 6 o'clock. Now, puck drop, it sounds like, will be later than you're used to because of a pregame ceremony. You are being asked to be in your seats if you're going to the game for 7.45. Puck drop likely around 8.45 because of some pregame videos and festivities and all that kind of stuff. But, of course, we'll have you covered right here on 6.30 Chet. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. It is 6.06. I'm Reed Wilkins. You can reach me, 780-496-0063. You can also text 6.30-6.30. And I want to make you a big part of the show tonight, especially off the top here, because it is that time of year where you're... Free to chime in on any predictions you have for the upcoming season. I, I was joking with Andrew and Jaylin at the end of the afternoon news. Uh, when when you become a sports guy, you're always asked for predictions, sometimes unexpectedly. Here's and I've been saying I won't do anything until after the preseason, so I'll fire right into this tonight. First of all, for the Edmonton Oilers, I'm going to predict 38 wins because that is an exact seven-win improvement over last season where they also improved by seven wins. I think another seven-win improvement is reasonable. I do think they have a better team than last year. Now, there's a difference than having a better team and having a playoff-caliber team. I don't think this year's roster, as it stands, and it could change throughout the season, is quite playoff caliber. I don't think there's quite enough depth there, though, again, there is more depth than last year. I, I think it's improved. I, I think if McDavid stays healthy, he's a wild card. I think the sky is the limit with him. Uh, but that's where I'm coming in is at 38 wins. I'm not doing the entire record because differentiating between overtime losses and regular losses and shootout losses to me is kind of a fruitless exercise, so I'll just identify 38 wins as the pick. For Connor McDavid, people are bugging me already, he'll lead the Oilers in scoring. Yeah, who isn't saying that? I will say this. I think Connor McDavid will lead the team in goals. 
I don't think it'll be Jordan Eberle, as some people have put out there. In fact, I have Connor McDavid, speaking of the number 38, I think Connor McDavid is going to score 38 goals. I think he is and will become that elite a goal scorer that quickly in the NHL. I think he is a threat to score from almost anywhere on the ice in almost any fashion, as we have seen already at times in his young career. Banking one in off Markstrom's lower back tattoo on Saturday night against the Canucks. Who can forget the goal he scored last year against the Kings where he poke-checked Vinny LeCavier and put it behind Jonathan Quick. That's how dangerous I think he is. I think McDavid gets to 92 points. Now, we're going to talk about some of the Oilers' news from today, including Versteeg, Griba, and some other comments that were made because uh, certainly... Uh, this is a big story that Chris Versteeg is going to the Calgary Flames after skating with the Oilers yesterday. And Chris Versteeg, to me, yesterday, sounded very confident that he was going to get an NHL contract. And, and you would think that it was going to be with the Edmonton Oilers, given that he had been skating with them. And then all of a sudden he goes to the Calgary Flames and will play against the Oilers tomorrow night but we'll we'll talk about that uh we'll talk about that as we as we move along tonight another another question I have for you and I'll touch on this in, in and out as we as we move along tonight and I'll ask some of the guests that we're having on and by the way Rob Brown is going to check in tonight Jason Strudwick that'll be fun to have uh, him on the show we'll have uh, Matt Henderson well-known Oilers blogger on the show a little bit later on uh Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network will be on for the Goudreau Versteeg chat and all that kind of stuff going into this season Looking at the Oilers, and, and you can really come at this from any angle, what most encourages you and what most discourages you? We can go both sides of the equation there. I'm, re- I'm really curious to see what people will think. Now, I will say this. I have not. I'm keeping an eye on Twitter. Uh, a few teams have put it out. The deadline was this afternoon. I have not seen the Oilers roster final roster as of yet and Todd McClellan earlier today saying that it uh, just checking the Oilers Twitter account again that it depended on some injury situations and and I think he was referring to Drake Kajula who has been practicing with the team um, but who got hurt just before he was able to take the penalty shot but on the play that led to the penalty shot against the Winnipeg Jets he didn't skate over the weekend didn't play on Saturday has been back out on the ice but maybe he starts the season on injured reserve, reserve. So even though Anton Lander has cleared waivers, he may wind up staying with the Oilers to be on the opening day roster. Uh, I, so we'll, we'll think about that as we move along as well. I, I can tell you this, and Peter Shirelli was on with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now earlier today, and uh, Shirelli says the Oilers did offer Chris Versteeg a contract. We did, and, and Chris chose to go elsewhere. That's basically the bottom line. So um, there, there's, a, there's a level of uh, uh, a threshold that you go to on these guys, and, 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 and we did. So. All right. So there's Shirelli saying they did offer Versteeg a contract, basically saying there was a point where we weren't going to go any higher than we wanted to to bid for his services. And, uh, you know, it sounds like Calgary offered more money or Versteeg just thought that was a better situation there. So Versteeg goes to Calgary, the reportedly one-year deal, $950,000. You would have you think the Oilers were offering a pretty similar deal, um, but Versteeg is not here. Armswar texting in. Fans will give it to Versteeg tomorrow night, then he'll burn the Oilers with a three-point night. Well, 
it, it's it's possible. Here's the thing: not. I I know uh, some people. I mean, I I hate to judge the. Uh, texture of the whole fan base by Twitter because if you're on Twitter, it can be a very uh, angry and thoughtless place. Do do I view this as I don't even know what the what word I want to use. It, it is a bummer. It is a bummer is one way to put it. That Chris Versteeg goes through the entire camp with the Oilers, has a couple of pretty good games, uh, gets the injury, and then decides to go to the Oilers' chief rival, who they open the season with two games against. So, yes. Do I view this as a massive failure that the Oilers didn't get for Steak? Well, I don't view it as a massive failure because I think this was a, this was a depth guy uh, who would have helped, but I don't know if he would have necessarily changed the direction of the whole season. So, uh, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm certainly not brushing it aside because this, this is disappointing that, like I said, Versteeg went through the entire camp and yesterday he did a scrum with the media that they, they were back on the ice after having Sunday off and he sounded like a very confident guy that he was going to get a contract. And if you're talking about getting a contract, you would think you're talking about doing it with the team you've been practicing with, um, but that wasn't the case. Having said that, I wouldn't necessarily characterize this as a blow crippling to the Oilers' season. Now, hey, it's it's probably somewhere between 32 and 45 points out of the lineup, depending on how Versteeg was going to play. So, you know, I will say that. That's that's not necessarily a good thing. James is on the line, 780-496-0063. Hey, James. How you doing? Great. Uh, just some comment on uh, Versteeg. I think I, I heard an interview on that, that other sports station in the city. Don't worry, I won't say it. But uh, I think he uh, looked at the roster and stuff, and he thought there'd be, uh, figured there'd be better uh, opportunity, perhaps more uh, play a bigger role or more playing time with uh, Calgary than the others. That's uh, the feeling I get. And maybe the money was a little more. Well, I think you make a good point with uh – with the the playing time, though I know the right side, the right wing position, James, is going to get picked apart, especially by the people who had an obsession, quite frankly, with Neil Yakupov. Which and and good, I think sorry, you know, good good riddance. You, you know, know what? Just, I hate time was up. You know, and you're right. If if Neil Yakupov was the only right winger in the Oilers organization, they still would have traded him, because that's the point it had reached with this player. But now you have Eberle. Maybe Leon, uh, Cassian, maybe Slepeshev, maybe Pitlick goes over there. Maybe even move Kajula to that wing, though he's mostly played left and center. So now you're you're juggling people around in that position, whereas Versteeg was at least a little bit more of a known commodity. So that that's and, and you know what Leon might wind up playing center tomorrow, especially if Kajula winds up on IR. Yeah, that's what my next question. We don't know if Kajula is ready to go or not, and that's the reason that uh, um, Lander and uh, Slepeshev and Puliyarvi are, are all still here because of some some injuries, I believe. Yes, because Kajula. I mean, they've never identified it. If you listen to Rob Brown after the games, he thought it was a hip, and uh, obviously with the they're so secretive with the injuries. Now Puliyarvi is another one because he didn't actually blow it out of the water in camp. I mean, it wasn't like, yep, there's a great player. Uh, it seemed to me that the coaching staff thought he got better as the camp went on, 
even though he wasn't really creating a lot of chances. I, I, I can see him on a, a six to nine game stint, and I think they'll evaluate him. And, you know, there's no harm in the 18 year old kid going down to uh, Bakersfield if uh, injuries come around and, and they work him into the lineup slowly throughout the year. Well, you're right. The nine game rule still applies with him, so they could potentially save a year on the ELC and all that kind of stuff. James, yeah. uh, let me ask you the question what are you most discouraged about and uh, most discouraged about for the Oilers going into this season? Uh. I, I don't know. I just I think they're uh, n- not really too discouraged about anything. But uh, I like the, uh, the the roster moves they've made, and and uh, you know I just uh, don't know. Uh, I'm worried about Griba and Fane with bringing uh, Russell in. So uh, what their futures are, and and I don't know if Griba signed. Uh, one year or not? Well, Shirelli said, the Oilers, again, the Oilers haven't announced anything roster-related. Uh, Shirelli did say on Oilers Now they were going to sign Griba a one-year two-way deal, and they were going to send him down. So he'll have to clear and go to Bakersfield. So that's their immediate plan with Griba. Okay, well, well that's discouraging. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks James. James. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got to take a uh, quick timeout. Phone lines are open. You can also text six thirty six thirty. It's Inside Sports on Chad. You're listening to six thirty Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 622. Little baseball playoff update. Top of the eighth. Nationals and Dodgers are tied 5-5 in L.A. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Edmonton Eskimos a little bit later on tonight, too, because they are now on a three-game winning streak. They've what? They've had two three-game winning streaks, two three-game losing streaks in the same season. They are 8-7 and seven on the year and uh, suddenly looking pretty good. Suddenly looking pretty good. They don't play again until Saturday the 22nd. Eskimos going into a bye week. Uh, They will play at the BC Lions on Saturday the 22nd. All right. Thanks for uh, checking in tonight. Lots of texts coming into 630-630. There are a couple texts here about the Edmonton Eskimos. I'll do that a little bit later on. Uh, Propane Tank says uh, the real bummer was getting chump changed by trading Neil Yakupov to St. Louis. Couldn't we have put Everly with Nugent Hopkins and slided Yakupov in with McDavid? Instead, we give him away to St. Louis where he can light it up with Tarasenko. Oh, well, that is from Propane Tank. Yeah, I I just think most GMs would see through the pump and dump if, if putting Yakupov with McDavid. And what if you put Yakupov with McDavid and he didn't light it up? And I just want to say this, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this player because he's n- he's no longer an Oiler, but the question came in, so fair enough. What what makes you think Neil Yakupov is is going to 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 light it up somewhere else? I mean, he never really did here, and and clearly there was, you know, the uh, uh, what did McClellan say that the, you know things had become infected before this coaching staff had gotten here? I don't think this current coaching staff trusted Neil Yakupov. Now he's going to have to earn the trust of uh, Ken Hitchcock. I mean, we'll see. I I, I hope he does well. I, I just think that this was a necessary trade, and you weren't going to get much for the player because he wasn't doing much. And 
NHL GMs kind of understand that. DW says, let's remember that Christopher Stieg has played on three or four teams in the last few years. He's a third-line player. He also probably wanted to stay in Alberta because he's from Lethbridge and Calgary is close to home. Those are the chances you take with a PTO. Dallin says, for Stieg going to Calgary, speaks to the strength of the Oilers' core and depth. He doesn't crack the Oilers' top nine. He uh, probably will on the Flames. Fair points. Jason says, most encouraging thing about the Oilers' new season, Adam Larson. That's good to hear. Most discouraging, according to Jason, the backup goaltender, and that is uh, Jonas Gustafsson, who had a good outing against the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, I, I would, uh, you know, that's that's fair. I, 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 a fan called into overtime open line after Saturday's game and really was singing the praises of Adam Larson. So I, I hope I mean, look, he that trade's going to be, we'll still, if I'm still doing this show in 10 years, we'll still be talking about it. Uh, fair enough. I just hope we're able to evaluate Larson for what he can do and his strengths as opposed to looking at the box score every night and saying, well, Larson had this many points or did this and Taylor Hall did this because they do play different roles on the team. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying it was a trade that's above being evaluated, and I think there's huge risk in that trade. But let's get to know Adam Larson. Uh, Greaser says the Oilers with solid goaltending and better defense should make 90 points if they can win games in their division. This will keep a playoff spot within striking distance. Fair comment. Corey the Butcher, loyal listener and texter. He says, hi, Reed. Happy NHL season eve to you. The thing I'm encouraged about is the fact that the Oilers actually have a bit of depth this year. Uh, and I'm not really discouraged, but what makes me most nervous is the goaltending. I hope Talbot starts the season a bit better than he did last year. He has looked mediocre at best this preseason. I would say uh, f- pretty fair comment, Talbot. Uh, you know, I thought he actually played pretty well in the third period against Vancouver when they started putting on a, a lot of pressure. Um, you know, the one goal that got by him, uh, where, where there was the deflection goal and then the scramble goal on the power play and then the uh, turnaround goal kind of from a bad angle. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Talbot did start the season slow last year. I, I do think that he should have at least a league average save percentage. All right, 627. Phone lines remain open, 780-496-0063. We'll get to more Peter Shirelli comments, some comments from Todd McClellan. Jason Strudwick is ahead. It's Inside Sports on Ched. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Ched. Jamie has texted in. Is there any uh, clear sense on what the six defensemen will start tomorrow? I would expect them to be Jamie Clefbaum with Larson, Russell and Secker, and Nurse with Davidson, with Fane and maybe Benning if he doesn't get assigned in the press box because Griba is, uh, according to Peter Shirelli, earlier today going to be on waivers. We've ag- we've agreed in principle to a deal with Eric, so we're really happy about that. And uh, um, 
it's a two-way deal, and uh, and we just have to paper it. But he'll uh, he'll start in uh, 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 in the minors, and uh, and uh, or he'll, we'll have to put on waivers, and then right, and then we'll work our way through it. All right, and as we are playing that clip, I see on the Oilers' Twitter account they have released their opening night roster. Here we go. Goaltenders, as expected, Talbot and Gustafson. Matthew Benning is on the roster, so Benning, Davidson, Fain, Clefbaum, Larson, Nurse, Russell, Sakara. So Griba uh, assigned. Drake Gajula is listed as an injured player. So, the forwards are Dreisaitl, Everly, Cassian, Lander, Latestu, Lucic, Maroon, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Pitlick, Pouliot, Pouliarve, Slepeshev. So that's 13 forwards and 8D on the roster. Injured reserve, Ferentz, Hendricks, and Packerin. And obviously, Ferentz will not play this season. At some point, they may move him to uh, long-term injured reserve if they need some kind of cap relief. But right now, he's on IR. So, Kajula starts the year as uh, an injured player. So, I wonder now if the lines tomorrow... See, I, I, I think... Let me just make sure I got this right here. I think we're going to have Lucic, McDavid, Eberle, Pouliot, Nugent Hopkins, Pugliarve, Maroon with Leon and Slepeshev, Pitlick with Latestu and Cassian, and Lander as the scratch. That's what I think happens up front. Because, I mean, I guess the other option would be to have Leon on the right wing with Nugent Hopkins and Pouliot and then have Lander center Pugliarve and Maroon and then Latestu centers the fourth line and then that would put uh, Slepeshev in the press box instead of Lander. But I would think they would move... I, I, I'm guessing they would put Leon back to center, personally. But we'll see what happens. So there is uh, the roster coming out Live on the air. So Kajula, as we expected, as Todd McClellan was kind of hinting at to be at today, uh, injured and not able to start the season. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text us at six thirty six thirty. Cowley says, cautiously optimistic is what I'm going into this season with. I hate when fans write off the season before it even starts, and. Losing a couple of players is not the be-all, end-all. I think we have a team that can at least be in the conversation before the regular season is over. We have begged for change in this city for years, and now that we have it, people are still being negative about every move the team makes. Just remember, Shirelli inherited this team. It can't be fixed in one year. That is from Cali. Well, a lot of people don't like what Peter Shirelli has done. I think he is clearly taking a different tactic with the team. He's clearly stepped up and put his neck on the line by trading a couple number one overall overall draft picks. Now, I'm sure you can tell from the way I've talked about Yakupov before and after the trade. I think there is zero risk in the Yakupov trade. Uh, the Hall for Larson trade, we've discussed it uh, ad nauseum all summer. 
Did Peter Shirelli lose Christopher Stieg? I think that might be a little harsh. Um, but, you know, I understand he's going to get criticized no matter what. I mean, here's here's the thing. The, the, it, I mean, I, I, I'd kind of sooner talk about who is here than who is not here. The roster, to me, is is not not quite deep enough to be a playoff roster. I think the top two lines are fine. I think McDavid is going to be fine. I think Eberle is a good complementary player for McDavid. And I know Lucic is taking some heat because he didn't produce a lot in the preseason. I'm not really worried about him because he's kind of established who he is over his career. Nugent Hopkins, Pouliot, and Leon, if that winds up being the line, okay, decent second line. Um, Pouliot's a streaky player, but if he, if he stays healthy, that's a big if with him. He can get second line points. But here's a little side question, by the way, for you. Who's the Oilers' second best center? Who's the Oilers' second best center? Isn't it Leon Dreisaitl and not Ryan Nugent Hopkins, even though Leon might play the wing a lot? Just saying. Then you'll have Maroon as as a left winger on the third line. Now here here's the here's the crux for me, where this team's fortune could really pivot. Because I think the fourth line is a is a decent fourth line with Latestu and Cassian and Pitlick or Hendricks when he's healthy or Slepeshev filling in fine. And I talked about this a lot last year, that the Oilers were kind of lacking a third line and a, uh, a compliment, you know, that can score sometimes. Maybe you're not going to score every game. If the third line is Kajula, Maroon, and Pogliarve, is that a consistently dangerous line? Or is that a consistently safe line? I can't say for sure that it is. Uh, now, maybe it's an upgrade on the third line that the Oilers had last year. Fair enough. Is it good enough? I, I can't say that with with much certainty. And there are always question marks. Sure, you can question Pouliot, Nugent Hopkins, and Leon as the second line. Fair enough. But I still look at that third line and say, is that enough scoring depth and or two-way depth to really help propel the Oilers into the playoffs? Or is that going to be a void when that line is on the ice? Is that going to be a loss matchup-wise for the Oilers in most games? That, that's what I'm curious about, and that's what I see as a potential weakness. Because Kajula, yes, intelligent, fast, yes. Does he know what it's like to play 82 games in the NHL? Of course not. Pulio Yarvi, now, I will say this, because I, you know, I got to point out both sides of it. I will say this. If Pulio Yarvi is going to be on the team, and he is on the team to start the season, at least he's not thrust onto the first line, like has happened to other younger players in the past. And he's not being told, it's all yours, boy. Go run in the field and make us champions. No, he'll play a little more sheltered role on the third line. Having said that, if you're, like I said, if you're going to be successful, that third line has to score sometimes. So, Pulio didn't produce a lot of offense in the preseason. So that's what I'm still wondering. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it relates to what I was talking about with the Eskimos all summer. Two really good receivers, and until they had Zilstra, no dangerous third receiver. I think the Oilers, two decent top two lines, a potentially great top line simply because of McDavid, and then what's on the third line? Can you win that matchup, or can you at least be even with whatever matchup they find themselves in night to night? That's what I'm saying there. 
Paul says, hey, Reed, I'm most encouraged by Leon's play, including at the World Cup and Olympic qualifying. I'm excited to see him get better this year. Paul says he is discouraged by the lack of offense on the blue line. Well, you're right. I don't think this is going to be a high point producing offense. If I if I look at what Shirelli's trying to do, I think he is starting. I mean, let's face it. When he took over the team, they'd already won the draft lottery, so he knew he was getting McDavid. So he looked at goaltending, and now he's looked at more defensive-style defensemen, such as Larson and Russell, though Russell could potentially produce a few points, but not, a, not anything at a wildly extravagant level. So I think there's a lot of focus on keeping goals out of the net. And Todd McClellan talked about that today. Well, we can talk about the decor, but we have to include the the forwards, I think, in this uh, equation as well, and the goaltending. And we all play a part in knocking and and chipping away at that. Um, Obviously, the numbers that we've been at for the last few years, uh, we're not getting it done. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, we've got to find 45 goals, whether we we knock them off and in goals against or find them in goals for. That's the difference that we have to get to 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 challenge. Um, Our team is aware of that. We're working uh, to improve both defensively and offensively to, to uh, narrow that number down, but um, we still have uh, a fair amount of work ahead of us. Well, and McClellan has talked about that goal differential before, and he made the point today as well that usually it's pretty cut and dried. If you're plus in goals differential, you make the playoffs. If you're negative, you're out. And he said last year um, uh, a, uh, there was one negative team that made the playoffs and a couple pluses that missed the playoffs. Now they were they were both you know close to to being even. So here's the thing: I made I made this point before. The Oilers gave up 31 shots a game last year. They got to allow a shot less per period, and Talbot has to come in at 9.17, and that's. De- that's around, depending on how many games he plays, that's around 25 goals against better right there. Then they got to score 15 more than last year. Attainable, though not easy. Brian's on the line. Hey, Brian. Hello, Reed. What's up? Good evening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, with um, uh, t- talking about the Oilers' defense, um, I definitely think it's improved from last year. Um, well, for one thing, you know, we have a healthy cleft bomb. Um, if he stays healthy, and uh, 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 Larson definitely looks good playing with him. Um, I also think uh, this pickup of Chris Russell. Um, I think we signed him for to a one year deal. Is it? Yes, sir. Uh, he he actually uh, impressed me in the, in the I know it was just exhibition game, that Vancouver game. He uh, he, he he's very quick. Um, He's often first to the puck. I know he's not a big guy, uh, but apparently, you know, I didn't know he, how many shots he blocked. But I, I guess he's a good shot blocker. But he, but he also uh, gets up in the play very quickly, like a winger. And I, I would think that he's going to definitely complement, uh, you know, our our offensive lines, like especially our our first two lines, uh, the way he comes up in the play. And he's usually the first guy back too, so he's he's definitely got wheels. Well, I think I mean I don't mind the addition of Russell. Um, he's probably going to be the Oilers' fourth defenseman. It, it would probably be a slightly better situation if he was on the bottom pairing. But I mean, the Oilers aren't deep enough yet. And I think you know here's here's what I look at for Shirelli. I think he wanted a little more experience than having yeah. to throw Matthew Benning in there. 
I don't get the sense that the current management and current coaching staff is very high on Mark Fain either, even uh-huh. though he's got experience, and they're going to start grabbing the minors, so that shows you that you know they think he needs to play a little bit there. So I, I don't mind the signing of Russell. I will say this, Brian. I don't know if you're into some of the analytics stuff that's going on with hockey these days, but some of those people make the argument that blocking a lot of shots is a bad thing because that means the puck is in your own end a lot and you're not able to get it and get it out. Right. I think there's a little bit to that, um, mm-hmm. but still, I also think he's willing to do it. So, <laughs> well, that's 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 the thing is how many you know how many defensemen? I, I mean, last year he played. Did he play in Dallas last year? Calgary traded him to Dallas. Remember for uh, Pollock, the Oil King, who was traded while he was playing the hockey hooky hook, the hockey hooky right. game. Yeah, right, right. But but uh, I mean, just the fact that he, uh, you know, he's 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 maybe has a small man syndrome, but he seems to have a lot of fight in him um, for a guy that's 170 pounds. Uh, but I, 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 how old is he? Is he? He's still in his 20s, isn't he? Uh, Russell's 29. Yeah, so I'm just going to double check his birthday, still, though. Sorry, go ahead. That, yeah, he's not that old, and um, I, I was very impressed with his foot speed, uh, and I think that's definitely going to help him uh, help the Oilers this year. Is having a guy like that, um, uh, you know, just be able to come in on the rush and and you know get into the open open high slot or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I just seen him. He only played the one game. Is that right? Yes, he, they signed him Friday night, right after Inside Sports ended. And then he played on Saturday. Yeah, and he looked—he did not look out of place at all. I thought um, he looked—I thought he looked fine. Um, you know, it was a mostly complete Vancouver team. I thought Russell got to the puck fine. I thought he moved it fine. So you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think look, I think Chris Russell probably overall is an average NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. That's better than what the Oilers have had. Yeah. Now, is it good enough? Maybe not. <laughs> Well, but, I, but I think Shirelli is saying, here, here's what's happened with the Oilers in a lot of cases in recent years. They've, they've, taken a, they've taken chances on guys who weren't proven, or they said, oh, nobody else in the league wants this guy, but we're going to bring in and tout him as, our, as one of our best players, like mm-hmm. in Nikita Nikitin. Mm-hmm. I think Shirelli's saying, okay, I know what Chris Russell can do, and mm-hmm. he's going to be a little lower on the depth chart and I'm just going to go let him do his thing and, and be an experienced guy back there, as opposed well, to saying, Justin Schultz, go win the Norris Trophy. Yeah, and, and I mean, having, having a, guy, a guy like Chris Russell there, he, it's going to give time for the younger defenseman to develop, too. We won't have to rush as, as quickly, right? Well, like I said, Matthew Benning is on the opening day roster, but I think he's probably the first guy to go down once Scriba comes up or a forward comes off IR. Right. No, I, uh, I I definitely, you know, and I'm not even talking about our offense, but I think defensively we should be a better team. Uh, I think I think we, our defense is better. Well, I think they're better than last year. We're, we're yep, see if they can sure. be above average. That's going to be the key. Brian, i got to run. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Bye. All right, we got to take a quick timeout, and then I believe we're going to get a little visit from Section O when Inside Sports continues. <laughs> For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Coming up in the next hour, it's going to be fun. Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network, Rob Brown, Jason Strudwick. 
We'll have Quinn Oler on the show later on tonight from Global Television. She ran a 50K race over the weekend. My goodness. Plus Blake Dermott to talk a little Eskimos as they win again. And we have Matt from Section O on the open line, 780-496-0063. Matt, Reed, go ahead. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm always nervous when you call. Why? Well, you, I, I don't know. I'm always afraid you're mad at me or something. I'm not. Well, I was mad at you the one time, but I'm not I mad was, at you now. Well, you look, I, I, I thought from your message today that you, you maybe were going to challenge something I said yesterday. No, no, no. Okay. The reason why I wanted to phone in is because the Eskimos game yesterday got completely overshadowed by in my opinion, something so ridiculous that got completely blown up, but we'll talk about that in just a quick second. I'm pretty sure you and other Eskimo fans know exactly what I'm talking about, but what I want to lead into first here is that the Eskimos' offense right now is firing on all cylinders. They've gotten hot when they need to. we got three games, three or four, I just can't remember, down the stretch, and they're starting to gel, which is where was this team ten games ago? Um if I remember, I think it was six weeks ago, we were all writing off the Eskimos to even make the playoffs. So we're in a good stretch now. I think the way the math adds up is any Montreal loss or Toronto loss or something like that, the Eskimos yeah, clinch. They're, they're, in. A, they're basically in. Yeah, and it's just a matter of where they seed. Now, for Eskimo fans that want a game to watch on Friday to determine where the Eskimos fit in, BC Winnipeg, we need that game to end in a tie. <laughs> Okay. And, hey, you know what? Back in 2009, there was a week, and my uncle from Toronto, he loves to play Sports Select. He says, never bet Sports Select on CFL unless you're going to bet a tie. Really? We're going to bet four ties? There were four ties that weekend, October 2009. You well, can look it up. Well, that's four anyway, points or less, right? Three points or less. Okay. But, like, we need, like, a tie tie. Okay, you got a minute and a half left, buddy. Um... I want to quickly get into what's going to happen to the Eskimos in the next couple of days. The CFL is going to be looking at fining us for not wearing the live microphones. It's going to open up a complete can of worms because TSN does not run the league. I don't care what anybody says. We do not have to listen to what TSN says. And if Jeffrey Orridge is going to run down the Eskimos with a fine or any sort of punishment, device upon how we angered a broadcast network, then that does not bode well for the CFL. That's a huge PR disaster, and it's going to—it's a very slippery slope going forward. And it sets a dangerous precedent. So I just want to say that if anybody from the CFL is listening to this, or listens to me, or even cares what I have to say, do not do this. I, the Eskimos, should not have to expose their playbook to anybody so that TSN can pump their ratings. It would be the same thing as what the XFL did. So if TSN wants to do all this, then that's fine. But if they want to go forward and they want to say, now you have to onside kick on every kickoff, it draws the same parallel. They should not have any say on the, on the game day operations of any football team. And I'm sure you're going to discuss that later on in this show, but that's pretty much all i got to say. And Eskimo fans, we'll see you in the playoffs. Bye. All right. Blake Dermott's up at 8.15 for more football talk. And by the way, I was a cheerleader in the XFL. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.